theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like an old paper cup. I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer at McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? They get the metric system. Welcome to the Hookup on Film with Adam and Tony. Welcome to the Hookup Presents. We've got Adam. What's going on? Yo, 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 Tony. How you doing? Good, good, good. And I am Tony. Right here in the background, we got a little bit of the Dunkirk uh, movie score. That's what we're going to get started with today. Our Hans Zimmer today. ticking just a... <laughs> All right. So getting started today with a little bit of a movie battle, a movie... Um, Dunkirk versus 1917. Yeah, last week we talked about Goodfellas versus Casino figure. I mean, let's start off another battle, one that you posted on Twitter. Recent war movies, 1917 versus Dunkirk. Yeah. Uh, I know what you're going to say, so I want to build off of what you're going to say. But uh, who do you have in this battle? You know, uh, I since me and you talked last about this, I've been going a little bit back and forth. I'm going to go with 1917 because of the amazing camera work uh, that is displayed in the movie. Cinematography by one Roger Deakins, Sam Mendes directing to great, 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 uh, just a great movie all around. But Dunkirk is also a good movie. I just think 1917 is a little bit better. What do you think? So I want to start off by saying I really love 1917 and i realize i've been listening back to our old podcast i can be kind of a downer that can be kind of like the simon cowell when i talk about movies sometimes <laughs> so in this battle i do want to say i'm a huge fan of 1917 um i kind of think it's one of those movies that like kind of redefines sam mendez's career a little bit which is weird because he has an academy award for best director he came out of the gate with american beauty and if you look at his filmography it's like really good and 1917 is one of his best and you're at the camel work by Roger Deakins and try to do that all one shot. Um, it's, it's incredible. It's such a fun movie. I saw it in theaters and I absolutely loved it. But the reason I'm going Dunkirk is because I think it has a lot of the same um, benefits that 1917 has. But I think it's a little bit better because it has something to say. And I don't think 1917 necessarily has anything to say. Uh, I think it's a fun movie. I think it's kind of an action movie. But ultimately, it's like Sam Mendes heard a bunch of these, I think, stories from his grandpa or I can't remember what, and he just stitched it together to make one really fun story. But I think Christopher Nolan, when he made Dunkirk, he, he I think it has something to say about that British stiff upper lip. There's this great line at the end, and I don't necessarily want to spoil it, but, you know, there's these kids that um, are following one of them being played by Harry Styles, and they're being greeted at home, and um, an old man is, like, saying, congratulations, and the kids are like, congratulations, we didn't do anything, and he's like, you survived, that's good enough. I kind of think that's a really powerful statement that this Battle of Dunkirk was such, um, you know, 
obviously it was such a hard sequence of events for Britain during World War II and, and to be able to come out of it with at least some semblance of a victory by just basically not losing is incredible. And I think it has, you know, incredible score, incredible cinematography, just like 1917. It's very well directed. Obviously, Christopher Nolan is just as great of a director, if not better, you can argue, than Sam Mendes. But I think it's because of that, that, that like I said, that stiff upper lip that Dunkirk has something to say that uh, it edges it out for me. Well, you know, today earlier I was at my in-laws and I actually asked my father-in-law this question, which one he thought was better. And he picked Dunkirk. Um, and he gave the explanation that made me rethink my choice a little bit. Uh, he said that Dunkirk was more, how did he explain? He seemed like it felt like it was a little bit more epic. It was more bigger. It was coming from a lot of different angles where 1917 felt very tunnelish. You got the one man's perspective. I guess the reason I guess I picked that is to be better is because how tough it is to get that one shot in the whole entire movie. Um, if you're talking about entertainment value, definitely the Dunkirk production and the way Dunkirk is filmed is definitely is uh, uh, Hoyt Van Hoytema who does the cinematography for Dunkirk. Uh, he really nails it. Again, I actually think both movies, a lot of the uh, magic in the film is some of the uh, the uh, the supporting supporting acting cast, especially in uh, Dunkirk. You have Mark Rylance, Kenneth. I thought Ragnar. I thought Mark Rylance was incredible. Oh, I mean, he, obviously he's great in everything he does, but uh, I I mean I thought he should have been up for best supporting actor. He was that oh, good. And I know it's always a tough category, but. Uh, and Brad, I thought it was fine, but I thought I, I loved um, Rylance. And again, he kind of had that stiff upper lip thing, too, where oh, yeah. you know, they pick up Killian Murphy on the boat and he kind of causes havoc. And he's just like, we're just going to keep going. And that's what we got to do. And I kind of think that theme of the movie, you know, we just got to keep going, um, pushes it a little bit further for me. In, in 1917, um, it was cool that you had Benedict Cumberbatch, Colin Firth. They show up in small roles as generals. It, 1917, like I said, it just felt like one man's journey through the war, where Dunkirk was obviously many people's stories being told at once, I thought. I also say about, I think one criticism that I've heard about Dunkirk, and when he posted this on Twitter, this is one I heard too, is that, because Christopher Nolan loves to mess with time. So there's this notion of, you know, the three separate timelines of the um, airplane battle with um, Bane, uh, Tom Hardy, his character, you know, there for one hour, there's the kids battle, which takes place in like a week, you know, them just trying to get off the, and trying to get out of France. It's France, right? Yeah. And then you have the third of Mark Rylance and the boats. And that takes one day. And the criticism is that like, Oh, Christopher Nolan didn't need to mess with time. And I just, I strongly disagree with that. Like I, I, I kind of get it, but it's just, I think you needed to make it like clear that you needed to tell all these stories at the same time because it wouldn't make sense to just like bring the planes out at the very end. Like you need to introduce all these actors and all these sequences at the very beginning of the movie just to make it one coherent story. Cause when you're going back and forth between these different stories, like it kind of needs to feel like it's in the same time and place. Cause otherwise what you have is the kids trying to escape they're trying to escape for like most of the movie. Then like the second act where you see introduce Mark Rylance's character, and then at the very end planes come by 
and save the day. Like that just wouldn't make sense. You need to introduce everything. And so Christopher Nolan had to mess with time a little bit. I think it was a fine choice. I don't really have a problem with it at all. I guess why people do, but I guess a problem I have with Dunkirk would be out of all of Christopher Nolan's movies, why is this his shortest movie? I mean, it's only uh, it's only about nine, about one hundred and six minutes long, which most Christopher Nolan movies push past two and a half hours long. You're saying to yourself a huge war movie. This is a movie like maybe could have used some more time. I don't know. Do you need more shots of just Tom Hardy flying? No, I mean, I guess more, 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 more. You could add more battles. I mean, I, I, I honestly, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's also actually probably what makes the movie the best because some of his movies seem to drag sometimes. So it's kind of a double-edged sword because, like, I love like Apocalypse Now. That's a super long war movie. Most war movies are past two hours long. It's still a good, great movie. I mean, yeah. time I'm, has nothing I'm, to do with it. I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, get in and out. Story. But story. Uh, so as we mentioned, you know, both Dunkirk and 1917 were nominated for Oscars. And uh, we had the Oscars happen this past week. Yes. Um, yes we I, did. I personally don't want to talk about the Will Smith uh, specific yeah, issue. Yeah, really not really to talk about. I mean, really quick, again, as stated before on our past show, I thought that he deserved the award for his performance and he won. So that's that. Um, more importantly to talk about, uh, you were on, ta- you, man, were you on fire? You, I will say. Team Coda, baby. Yes, I will honestly say. When you were talking Coda, you were the first one out of anyone that I've ever know, it did know or meet that brought up Coda. And you were on to something and you really, you nailed it, man. That was good. That was great. Yeah, so Coda was only nominated for three Oscars, Best Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Film. But it won all three. And I kind of think, you know, it got so much love from ultimately was kind of the reason that I liked it is that um, it's it's just a really good movie. I personally thought it was by far and away the best movie out of the ten movies nominated. And I kind of think when the nominations were coming out, not a lot of people had seen it, which is why I don't think it got too many nominations. And, you know, as the Oscar seasons wore on, I think a lot of people just started to see it and watch more and more of it. And, you know, I think it's one of the movies where if you see it, you can't help but be affected by it. And I think that's part of the reason it won. I think it's a great movie. I think it it's just, it's going to move you. Troy Kotzer, who won Best Supporting Actor, was you know, so great in the movie. He was so funny and heartfelt. He got his Oscar, you know, quote unquote moment at the end when he's having a conversation with his daughter. Um, and I, I think just like I said, I, I think it was just, it was by far and away one of the better movies of last year that I'm not surprised Him, ultimately that it won. Honestly, the whole Oscar night, his 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 uh, speech was, was, I thought it was hilarious. He was awesome. Um, looking back, and some of he's in. Um, have you ever heard of the movie The Number Twenty Three with Jim Carrey? I remember my friends like seeing that in college, and I'm like, "There's no he's way this in, movie's going to be he's, any good." He's he's in this movie. I mean, he's in a few other movies. I'm curious to uh, to really pay attention now because now hopefully he can maybe get some roles. Get because he he did a really good job. Really I also think job. you know everyone in the family is great. The great Marley Matlin, who also has an, an Oscar of like really good 20, 30 years ago, right now she plays the mom. I thought the daughter, who's the the main, um, it's you know it's her journey through the 
the story of the movie. I thought she did an excellent job. And I think that, you know, if the camp, you know, people had seen Coda a little bit earlier, um, they all would have gotten nominations. I mean, especially like a film like Belfast, which ended up getting a whole bunch of nominations. I think there's a reason it fell off towards the end. You know, Kenneth Branagh got best director, the movie got best um, uh, picture, but like it ultimately, it really only won um, best uh, original screenplay, uh, Coda won best adapted. Um, I think just because like people like Kenneth Branagh, you know, we mentioned quickly mentioned him in Dunkirk, oh, yeah. and I think they kind of just like, okay, you know, you did a fine job, Kenneth Branagh, but you know, it got like a bunch of acting awards, and it just that seems silly to me. It got all these um, other awards, and that and Power the Dog, a movie which you and I we talked about last week, which we really did not like. No. Um, you know, ultimately, I think people respect its director, James Campion, which is why she won Best Director, despite her putting her foot in her mouth a couple times throughout this Oscar campaign. Um, but even though it had all these nominations, it only won one award. Because um, I don't I don't think it's that good. I really um, don't. And the big winner of the night was Dune. And, you know, something we brought up, I brought up when we were talking about the nominations is I'm not like a fan of that movie. But it's a technical marvel. Well, yeah, it won all the the best best sound, best film editing, best cinematography. There is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's it it really it hit the things that we talked about pretty much. Um, go on. What were you going to? You were going to say something? Yeah, else? I was going to say the the Dune reminded me, and I think I've mentioned this before, but it reminded me a lot of Mad Max Fury Road, where. At the time, it got a buttload of Oscar nominations, but when it came to Oscar night, um, it took a lot of these, you know, below-the-line stuff, cinematography, production design, um, visual effects, stuff like that, but it didn't end up winning the big awards, um, like director and best picture, and even though I wasn't, like I said, not a, the biggest fan of Dune, I don't understand why it wasn't a bigger deal um, for some of the quote unquote more major awards, like why I like Koto a lot, obviously, I'm happy it won, but I don't understand why Dune was just not really never felt like it was ever in the running to win Best Picture because I think that's so silly. Yeah, I think honestly, I think honestly, I think if it was back to the normal uh, front of just having five films nominated, I probably wouldn't have been nominated. That's kind of how it usually was back in there would be you get a lot of movies getting nominated for its 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 visual effects and then the rest of it gets left behind but what i wanted to talk about really quick was that they have these new awards that they are giving out this year at the academy awards some of the most stupidest awards i've seen um did you hear of this award it was the most uh what one was it it was the most Cheer, oh, cheerworthy oh. moment. Yeah, and friggin' Flash enters the Flashpoint for that, Justice League. Yes, that, and the other one was ridiculous. It was for the Army of the Dead. It was fan favorite film category. Army of the Dead won. No, what's it's so funny because like I get the the Oscars. They needed kind of the point with doing it's like they need to do something to make it a to get the the movies that people have seen into the show. And so I think the goal was to get like uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, like yeah. more into the broadcast. But like Zack Snyder has like these weird fans on the internet and they, they ended up like they spamming the, the Twitter poll. So this, you know, even better, I fine guess. 
movie army of the dead ended up winning on the broadcast the theater the theater supposedly was dead silent when they announced this in the theater as you could imagine <laughs> i did not like that movie at all i thought it was awful but that's me that's just me did not like army of the dead yeah and that... i like Zack snyder i i don't have a problem with 300 i don't have a problem with uh superman i love i oh I mean, I have a problem with Man of Steel. I love <laughs> Watchmen a lot. I remember seeing that like in college. Watchmen, like, I'm a big fan yeah. of it. 300 was fine. I like um, Dawn. Of, I'm sure. I know you're not. You're not a horror fan, but his remake of Dawn of the Dead was really good. But I don't think Zack Snyder has made a good movie since Watchmen. I think he was a poor choice to shepherd the um, DCEU, DC Extended Universe, like. I got between like 300 and Watchmen, like why like they wanted to tap him, but like I th- I think all those movies are bad in all sorts of ways. I didn't understand the love that the four-hour Justice League um, cut got on the internet. I don't know why the two-hour cut was bad, but the four-hour cut, which was holy crap, so freaking long, was better. But you know what? That's if what people nice like to that- each their own. Well, that's why uh, on our next topic here, uh, going on to Marvel movies, it they never really have a problem with having having to make a four hour cut to satisfy people because majority of their movies, everybody enjoys right off the bat. It seems. Yeah. So last week we talked about I, I threw a curveball at you at the very end because Thor: Love and Thunder, Thor Four is coming out uh, this year. The trailer, you know, people are clamoring for it, and uh, when it comes out, we'll see what role Christian Bale has in the movie. And when I saw Christian Bale, I thought, I think Christian Bale. Are you sticking with Christian Bale? I, I am sticking that Christian Bale, when the movie comes out, he will be the best actor to ever appear in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, this is what we'll do right now. Since you pick Christian Bale, I'm going to try to, to sway your opinion. That's the name of the game right here real quick. Are you saying that you believe Christian Bale is a better actor than, let's say, Anthony Hopkins? Oh, man. Why you do this to me, Tom? <laughs> I, well, because I will... like, I'm looking at this list. Earlier today, um, someone uh, brought up that they believe that uh, Hal is his name online. He brought up that he, he thought Angela Bassett is a good choice. And she's another great actress. You think all the movies she's been in? I mean, she's great. I, I okay. All due respect to Hal, um, I like Angela Bassett just fine. I don't think she's even remotely close into the same level as oh, okay, okay. as Anthony Hopkins and Christian okay, Bale. Well, what about I, Edward Norton? Edward Norton, he is great, um, but I kind of think he's a little bit a tier below. He's like on the. Um, He's just like a little bit a tier below. Um, Anthony, Hop- Anthony Hopkins, obviously, you know, he plays Odin in the Thor movies. He's a great choice. And the reason I'll stick with Christian Bale is just because Christian Bale can both, he can lead an action movie. He can be a character actor. He can do a smaller movie. He can do a bit part. He can Benedict Cumberbatch? lead your movie. I think he's a much better actor than Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I, I, I like Benedict Cumberbatch just fine. I I just think the body of work that Christian Bale has been able to put in has just, I mean, Christian Bale was Batman and Dick Cheney. Um, I know. Let me bring up real quick a Benedict Cumberbatch performance. Have you ever seen Black Mass? The, uh, 
Dude, I was so my family is from the Boston area. The yeah. um the Whitey Bulger story is like big in my family. Yeah. I love the Whitey Bulger story. Uh-huh. I was really looking forward to that movie and oh my god. Cause what happened was there were like two different like Whitey Bulger scripts that they jammed together. So it made this really bad movie. Like that that's you know, talking about before, like uh you know, these faux Scorsese movies, like that's a movie like I would have loved. Like just let Scorsese make a Whitey Bulge movie. And he kind of sort of did it with The Departed, but, ugh. <laughs> but And to your point, I think Benedict Cumberbatch is fine in Black Mass. I, I don't think it's... I think there's like 10 Christian Bale performances that I would take over his performance in Black Mass. <laughs> I'm just... It, it's what I... The thing about it is that uh, Christian Bale is a great actor. I mean, he is, but you know, Jeff Bridges to me, you know, but it all depends, you know, like you said, we have to see what his role is, what he's going to be doing. Jeff, I mean, but like th- that, I think, I think the level we're talking about, I think is guys like Jeff Bridges and Anthony Hopkins. And, you know, we talked about Robert Redford and Kate Blanchett last time. Um, you know, the, the Benedict Cumberbatch's co-star. Michael Douglas. Mike, yes. Michael Douglas was the name we forgot. Who's, you know, this great actor. Um, Tilda Swinton, um, who was Cumberbatch's uh, co-star in, um, the first Doctor Strange, I think she's an incredible actress. I think if you look at her IMDb, she can oh, play anything. I mean, she plays Duke great. sometimes. She's great. Um, she's amazing. Really amazing. Now, she's, she's not really like a movie star. Like Christian Bale can be both a movie star and a character actor, which is why I love him so much. But I think these are the actors I'm talking about. I think then, you know, def- there's definitely like no disrespect to anyone else that we've mentioned. No disrespect to Angela Bassett, you know, um, Forrest Whitaker is in Black Panther. He's great. These there are a lot of great actors. That's why I mean, like when you're talking. Oh, Forrest Whitaker. I forgot about Forrest Whitaker. That's a good one. Um, even a young guy like Michael B. Jordan, who I oh, think Michael has the potential to get there. Um, I just you know when you say Anthony Hopkins, like that's a level we're talking about. You know, two-time Academy Award winner Anthony Hopkins. Like he's he's definitely in serious consideration. Michael Douglas has had a hell of a career. Yeah. Kate Blanchett has already had hell of a career i think she has multiple um academy uh awards as well um you know a movie that you know <laughs> we forgot about but she has so many wins and uh sadly doesn't or so many nominations and sadly doesn't have a win is uh glenn close she was in oh. guardians of the galaxy like forget glenn close there's there's these like actors that um, have like just like randomly pop up and you totally forgot about Kurt Russell, Guardians too. I think he's a little bit oh, too Kurt. Before. See, this is what's awesome about this topic. You even you even um, you even just saying that it's 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 like I forgot all about I forgot all about about Kurt Russell. Now Kurt Russell, I, I don't think is like really in serious consideration because I think he's just like a movie star and I love him as a movie star. Oh. I mean, you know what? We're saving this one for a later date. We're going to talk Kurt Russell. But, no, uh, but yes, no, we'll go on. This is no disrespect to Kurt Russell. I just don't oh, think he can, can. Like, Can Kurt Russell be like in a serious Broadway play? Uh, he could. Yeah, I think so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Agree to disagree. And I love <laughs> Kurt Russell. I mean, Escape. if you haven't seen Escape from New York, go see it. Snake Plissken. Like, um, so I'm in a... <laughs> 
I you make like, me laugh. I'm laughing real quick because I'm thinking about if you were to if you listen to these recordings all in a row, like let's say if if we do it, you know, a year or whatnot, you can watch my negativity go from real positive to the very last one screaming. No, I'm just kidding. Go on now. <laughs> so I'm in uh like this slack with a bunch of like White Sox fans for like this blog we write, and they're like all younger. They're all in like high school or college. And I asked if any of them knew who even like Snake Plissken even was, and like nobody did. It's like, oh, you guys. <laughs> I know it's it's it. That's that's a piece of my heart. It's a whole different area of movie. Like that's why, uh, just a different part of movies. I mean, that's a whole completely different part of movie watching than like Oscar movies. It's it's you're just you have to be in a different mindset. Yeah, but I, uh, I mean, again, there's a lot of actors in these movies. A lot of Marvel actors. A lot of Marvel actors who just kind of show up in bit, you know, in bit parts too. Um, you know, a name you brought up before in our pre-production meeting was Ben Mendelsohn, who's ben, ben a great Mendel. character actor who I absolutely am in love with. Like, if you need a villain for your movie, he's so perfect. And by the way, like, not to ruin Captain Marvel, but also that movie's not that good to begin with. Oh, he, see? I don't know. I liked I liked him and I liked that movie. No, no, no. But, like, he... I don't like that movie. That, that's definitely a different topic. But the fact that, like, you think he's the villain and then there's a twist where he's super That's what I like. And that's like, why that's about as simply as why I like the movie. That's cheesy twist right there. <laughs> but the fact that Ben Mendelssohn can like convincingly pull off both, like oh, he's, I know. He, he's I think but I think you know he'll eventually has a chance to get to Christian Bale's level. I think Christian Bale has the benefit of just like a decade of like movie acting on Ben Mendelssohn. Oh, um, yeah. that movie also has like Annette Benning show up. Like Annette Benning, I think, is a legit great actress. So like there are. Do you think Matt Damon's a good actor? He's in a Marvel movie. I love Matt Damon. Um, I actually do. I like. I'm not. I don't consider him eligible because it's just like a cameo. I know. I know. I was just being funny. <laughs> it's Matt Damon has this just weird ability to show up for five minutes. Like I don't understand. Like Such a cheesy cameo. I don't understand why he chooses to do that. Too is. I mean, it's fine. I just. But. <laughs> Even still, I don't think Matt Damon, who I'm a big fan of, you know, is just advocating. I thought he deserved the Oscar nomination for his work on um, The Last Duel. You know, he's great. But I'm still sticking with Christian Bale. And I think there's only a few actors that are truly, truly on this level. And honestly, that's when you're story. talking about, I mean, honestly, looking at this list, I would go against you with I would go against you with Jeff Bridges. But that being said, during their if they were both in their prime making the movies, I would maybe go Jeff Bridges. But I think you're right and I would go with you. I think if Christian Bale pulls his performance out and he could do it really well, it could be the one of the best and be the best in Marvel and the best actor doing it. I'm a fan oh man, I'm a fan of Jeff Bridges. You know, I'm. You know, I, I love him a lot. I love his performance in Iron it, Man. There's a lot of um, things that we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about. There's a lot of movies. Unfortunately, you're gonna have to spend some time watching a few movies in this in this lifetime to get you a little caught up on some of these. Because a lot of what I'm talking about, I believe there are movies that maybe you haven't seen yet. Uh, deep deep cuts where it's more on the actor than it is. Like I know you're thinking of like. Uh, what movies are you thinking about when you think of Jeff Bridges? Oh, what's that? What's the first movie he did? The Bogdanovich movie where it's a small town in Texas. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, the Last Picture Show. Yes. So 
The Last Picture Show is like one of my favorite movies. I just saw it recently, and Jeff, it's like one of Jeff Bridges' first movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I love him in that, but like, you're right. I probably have only seen like his bigger stuff. Like I saw the movie he won an Academy Award for, True. where he plays that country singer. Oh yeah, that yeah, Crazy Heart. I mean, he's good in that. He's good and cra- he's good in Crazy Heart. The thing about it is, is he Jeff Bridges reminds me a lot of when you said he can do he can do a lot of different things and that's why i think crazy heart you know it's a good movie um and his performance is really good i mean it's not one of my favorites but it's, it's a good movie i like jeff bridges i just i wouldn't put him in the same category just because I, I, like... I think i don't know if he has the range of someone even like anthony hopkins but you know one thing about uh one cool thing about jeff bridges is he's never exploded on a terminator uh movie set you know that you know i'm totally <laughs> on christian bale's side for that maybe he went a little bit too far i know i know but no, i am too i am too I'm if you if you look at like what actually happened where like there was like a grip or a camera operator or something who like was I, like i wasn't his first time messing up a shot too it's like it takes hours to set up a shot and the guy kept messing up and you know, he, he maybe got a little bit too mad, and obviously he didn't mean for it to get recorded. I don't know if it's an excuse really? to necessarily act like that, but th- I think he the guy was acting was unprofessional, good. and he got called I, out for it. Oh, no, you're right. I think when you're acting unprofessional, you need to be called out for it. And I think also a lot of people blew the situation out of hand, which happens a lot of in, in, in some of those situations. All right, but, so uh, one uh, actor... But go on. Sorry, one actor I know you wanted to talk about, and he's he's a great actor. I'm a big fan of him. I don't know if he's necessarily a Christian Bale's level, level, but another great actor who's appeared in the Marvel Universe is John C. Riley. Oh, right uh, off the bat. Right off the bat. Right who appeared the in the first here. Guardians movie. Right off the bat, I'm going to say that I believe that John C. Riley is uber better than Christian Bale. That's just from my oh perspective. Oh, my God. We're, we're going to have to go into fisticuffs. And now, because I believe, again... You when you when people think John C. Riley, you know what they're thinking of? They're thinking of uh, Step Brothers. That's the first thing they always think of. Step Brothers. Step Brothers. That's it. You know what? When, it, when you go to his first, if you look right now, I got his list pulled up. His very first movie, okay. One of his his very first, Brian De Palma, Casualties of War, okay. Then he's in Tony Scott, Days of Thunder. Then he's in, you know, you just keep going down the list. State of Grace, you know, he's in a lot of movies that are what's eating Gilbert Grape. He's in Hoffa. Um, he's in Boogie Nights. I mean, he is pretty much. He was pretty much one of one um, P. Uh, he's one of P.T. Anderson's uh, go-to guys. Um, the thing about it is, is I believe in the last couple of years. It's gotten a little bit out of hand with the joke, the joking roles like Holmes and Watson. And uh, I did like, did you ever see the Sisters Brothers? No, it's a, that was just one of those movies with him and Joaquin, right? Yeah, it was Where, him like, and Joaquin. It, just, it yeah, kept it showing up on my Hulu thing and I just never, I was never in the mood Honestly, honestly, good, ridiculous movie. Um, he's in The Lobster with, uh, did you ever see that ridiculous movie with... Dude, I'm, I'm a I'm a Yorgos Lanthimos fan. Yeah, so he's he's in that. Again, he I wouldn't put him. Let me put it to you this way: I would put him. I let me take back my words a little bit. I think he's one of the best supporting actors of all time. 
Christian Bale is a lead actor. Um, I have yet to see a movie where it's literally just John C. Riley, and the whole movie is just him by himself carrying the movie. So I can't literally say that he's quote unquote all around better because he doesn't really lead movies. He's a but as a supporting actor, even in the Gangs of New York, Martin Scorsese. He's really good in that movie. So I will say it's it actually probably is a little bit closer than than I, um, I initially stated. Like I'm a big John C. Riley fan. And to your initial point of when people think of him, they think of him as in Step Brothers. I actually think is not an insignificant point because when you, look, when you just mentioned his IMDb, he he started off being in these serious movies and then kind of transitioned into comedy with Will Ferrell, and does it so well like stepbrothers huge fan of stepbrothers it's one of my favorite comedies and the fact that he's able to out will ferrell will ferrell in a will ferrell adam mckay movie is incredible he takes takes will ferrell to town in that movie unfortunately he really does it's so hard to do drama and comedy as well as he does um he's got the he's got he's got the face he's got the look He's got a, an actor look. He's got something that you could pull out that no one else has. And that's what makes him good. So, like, I, you know, start, you know, right, he, the, he's an, um, not adaptation. What's the, the movie that P.T. Anderson did after? Magnolia. Magnolia. You know, even though it's kind of a mess, I think it's a fantastic he's mess. He's, he's really good in that. Great um, in that. And, you know, you he's, know, he's funny in, in Boogie Nights with, when he oh. plays off of Mark Wahlberg. That is a movie. That would be a movie where I would put him. I, that's that movie. He's great. That movie's on all the time. And again, it's a movie where he is funny, but it's not a comedy. He's just funny in it. I think John C. Riley is an incredible actor. I think he has so much range that we don't necessarily give him credit for. And then I amazing. What amazing. He's in a, one of my favorite baseball movies. He the, for the, the season for yeah. the love of the game the catcher yes he does a great job in that movie did you ever see the um first king kong movie oh where it has a bunch of great character actors great and he shows up in the middle and he's like by far and away the best part oh yeah it's it's the movie like is not necessarily that good but i think the acting is actually pretty good in it again oh, yeah. you put good character actors in your movie and it's just going to elevate your movie but he shows up in the middle of it, and it's really weird. It's um, it's uh, so obviously we're both White Sox fans. Do you remember yeah. that game that last year the White Sox had against the Cubs, where we were down like by six nothing? Oh yeah. And then at the end of it, like we ended up coming back, and the game ended up getting like to twenty to eighteen or something crazy like that. Yeah. But in the very middle of the game, it's kind of like I think. I don't, can't remember how it happened, but, oh, it was like, yes, Monty Grandal hit a home run to tie the game 6-6. Oh, yeah. And to me, that's like John C. Riley in that movie where the White Sox are down 6 to nothing to the Cubs. That movie is, like, kind of just down, and it's, like, fine. And then John C. Riley shows up and, boom, just hits a three-run well, homer to tie the game. It's like, okay, John C. Riley, I see you. You know, us, honestly, even us, us both being White Sox fans, at the end of the movie, John C. Riley, or the part of the movie where he talks about all he wants to do is go to Wrigley Field and have a hot dog, and he sells the part. I mean, that's that's him in a movie, is you can feel whenever he shows up, he's he does exactly what he's what he's supposed to do, and I think that's why he's he's so good. 
And I think that's why, you know, he's, he's also been on, um, everyone likes him. He does those Steve Brule, uh, little, little comedy things. You ever, what he's a, he does a lot of funny stuff. And that's why even he's done, he's been on a Simpsons episode. He's hosted Saturday Night Live. He's worked with Tenacious D. I mean, you, he's, he's, he's even, he even has an uncredited cameo in uh, one of an Oscar movie, Licorice Pizza. So, I mean, he has a lot of different good things. And that's why, honestly, his really only is, even that Stan Ali, I have not seen it. But I really would oh, sit down and watch that one. He he's good in it. Like that movie, the it's the um, Laurel and Hardy, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's the Laurel and Hardy. It's like a biopic. It's um, it's like fine, but the movie is better because um, he plays the the bigger one. Yeah, um, uh, he plays Hardy. Hardy, yeah. That that movie is is solid because of him. But you know, it's funny you talk about like, can he lead a movie? And I don't. He unfortunately necessarily hasn't gotten the opportunity. To, to the way Christian Bale has, but he is kind of the star of this new HBO show, Winning Time, initially brought to us by uh, Adam McKay. Yes. Um, all about is- the the dynasty started from the the Los Angeles Lakers, and he plays Dr. Jerry Buss, and uh, oh. he buys the team and like is trying to dump money into it to make it. Uh, you know, they're kind of dumb down to the dumps. The NBA is kind of down to the dumps. Um, but what do you think about him, and what do you think about Winning Time? I personally really, 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 really enjoy Winning Time, and I think I enjoy it for. I think I enjoy it for. Well, honestly, I enjoy it for him. I don't know if you know. Are you familiar with who had the role first for a couple months and dropped out? I didn't hear he dropped out, but I heard there was controversy where Will Ferrell, who's a huge Lakers fan and obviously this a is collaborator. Even, this is even, uh, this is oh. before Will Ferrell. Michael Shannon had the part for a couple months. Oh, has Michael Shannon never appeared? He's never appeared in a Marvel movie. He's appeared in no. a DC movie. Michael Shannon's no. great. Um, but Michael Shannon said he had a problem with the whole breaking the character and like talking to the camera part. He said he didn't feel like he didn't understand that and he moved on. But that being said, John C. Riley, I think, I think he really carries, he's a piece, he's, if not, I think he's the best part of the show personally. What do you think? Yeah. John C. Riley is, by, I think, by far and away the best part of the show, which is, by the way, a show that has like really good, another great character actor shows. Um, you know, Jason Clark plays Jerry West, um, Adrian Brody shows up as pat riley um terry uh tracy excuse me let's shows up as what's his name jack mckinnon is his name yep the um the the guys who shows up as that coach michael chickler shows up as like red auerbach um so uh, sally field shows up as jerry buss's mom um but yeah this i think even though it is he does a really good job in that show I think the show is kind of more of an ensemble show, even though his name shows up first. I mean, he does oh, get the most great time, but he it is, is so charismatic and fun. Um, and him and the guy who plays uh, Magic Johnson, who oh, he does a good job. Uh, I just don't I, have his name at the moment. His name's right here. His name, the guy who plays Magic Johnson, is Quincy Isaiah. The, yeah, really they're they're both kind of I would say the two leads of the show. If the show has leads. Um, and they're really good, and you know, 
John C. Like, if you ever needed any more evidence of John C. Riley as a great actor, you know, point to this show. Um, I kind of think he does bring a little bit of that gravitas that he can do in like serious movies, as well as the goofiness that he can bring to an Adam McKay movie. And I really love the style of the show, even if Michael Shannon didn't. Like, I love that Adam McKay style that he, you know, very popularly did in The Big Short, where characters will just stop and look at the camera. Um, I love the different film stock that they use. I think it's objectively a very good show. My only issue with it is that I don't care about the NBA personally, and I don't really care about the Los Angeles Lakers. So I'm like kind of at an arm's length away also, from the show. I probably, to be frankly honest with you, I have, I have, you know, I, I feel you on that. I really do. I mean, I feel you a lot more on the, I don't watch basketball a lot less than I do the Lakers. That doesn't really, I mean, I like to know any show of what goes on. I mean, any story of what goes on in the background. And I think with a team like the Lakers and all these players and all the stories you heard, I think that's kind of why they told the story, you know, but I guess I see what you're saying. It's tough to get excited about something that you're, not really interested in but i think that's why for me that's why the character of um john c Riley, that's what's dragging me to keep watching it because if he wasn't in it i don't know if everyone else would keep me to keep coming back to keep watching personally i mean i think like john jason seagal is great um there are two real quick to tie into the last thing we were talking there are two other marvel actors in the movie of course Sally Field, she plays Aunt May. There was another actor who was in a Marvel movie. No, no, Marissa oh. Tomei is Aunt May, right? Wasn't uh, Sally Field the Aunt May in the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire? No, that was uh, an actress whose name I didn't even know. Was Sally Field Andrew Garfield's Aunt May? Uh, he might have been. Hold on a second here. Oh, that was, you're right. You're right. You're right. It was the older way. I, you got me there. You're right. She might have been. She's something with Spider Man here. I'm looking it up. But that. Oh being, yeah, she was Andrew Garfield's Aunt May. She was. That being Sue yeah, Andrew, you got me. That was good because as soon as you said that, I thought of Tobey Maguire's one getting taken by the Green Goblin for some reason. Um, but there's another fella in the winning time, um, Mr. Michael Chiklis. Remember him playing the Thing in the original Fantastic Four? Awful. Oh, yeah, awful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, what other new mo- what other new shows are you really on to in this in this new 2022 season? So there's a lot of um, like shows like Winning Time that are on right now that are based upon real life and real events. Um, one of the shows that I'm watching is The Dropout, which is the Elizabeth Holmes story about Theranos. Are you watching this? I have watched the first couple episodes. Yes, I have. So there's this really great documentary called Out for Blood that's right now available on HBO that tells the story in like an hour and a half, two hours that I watched, you know, when it first came out. And it's this really interesting story. So Elizabeth Holmes, uh, the real life Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, like wanted to create this machine where just like a prick of your blood or just a little bit of your blood can be put into her machine and it can like diagnose you with all these different issues that you might have as opposed to, you know, if you ever get a blood test and they have to, you know, they always have an issue with my arm and they stick me 10 times and they have to pull out like a gallon of blood, it feels like. And she had this really like good idea that just never worked in theory and kept trying to fake it till you make it for like a decade. And eventually, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to necessarily ruin the end of the story for you, but it's all about 
that story. And Amanda Seyfried uh, plays Elizabeth Holmes in this uh, miniseries. And to me, she is the reason to watch it. She is incredible. Um, you know, I, you know, I just recently watched her in Mank a couple years ago. So for some reason, I always have her as just like this dopey actress from Mean Girls. But clearly, she has range. She's a great actress. And I, th- I think she's incredible in this show. Um, and it co-stars, uh, I think his name is Naveen Andrews, who's in Lost. Yeah, um, that's true. Who plays Sonny, the CFO, and her maybe boyfriend. Um but the problem I have with this story is that it I don't think it has anything to say. It's it kind of feels like this Wikipedia entry of like here's just the events that show up. Like here's what Theranos did. And um there's there's some other good acting, like the great Alan Ruck, who oh, you would know oh, as yeah. Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's most recently um the oldest like stepbrother in succession. William H. Macy, Lori Metcalf. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, William H. Macy like just shows up as like this neighbor who ends up having a problem with Elizabeth Holmes. He's great in it. I'm a big fan of him. They they give him like this bad hair um wig type thing. Um I think that's kind of why I kind of what you just said is the reason why I kind of haven't went further than the couple episodes that I watched. It just kind of feels uh, you know, and I like like I said, like I just said about the last thing. I love learning about new things. It just seems I don't know. It doesn't have much to say. Everything you could see is already right on the surface. Yeah, it's 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 very service level. Um, like I said, if you really care about the story, I just recommend watching the documentary instead. Um, oh, yeah. But if you Doc want some interesting perf- yeah. interesting performances, and I think Amanda Seyfried just absolutely kills it. You know, Elizabeth Holmes. If you're not familiar with her, she very famously like she purposely like lowered her voice so she kind of talks like this and has like. Well, she does great, honestly. She does this thing with her mouth. Like, she honestly, her role, she deserves, I mean, she deserves all the credit. It's not her. I mean, again, it's not her. It's the, it's unfortunately just the, I don't know if it's the story. I don't know if it's the pacing of the script. I haven't really, you know, um, thought in depth about how much really the, what the big problem is, but just by those episodes, it's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, but another, um, you know, based on real life story, I think also on Hulu, um, with a great lead female performance is uh, Pam and Tommy. Oh, amazing show! Amazing. So this is the the story of the um, leaked sex tape of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Um, it gets into so the carpenter who originally stole the sex tape from him is played by Seth Rogen, um, and obviously leaks it out. And this show I like a, a little bit more because one, like, obviously I was aware of the sex tape, but I wasn't necessarily aware of the things behind it. Oh, yeah, but the reason I like this show a little bit more is twofold. Um, one is I actually think it has a little bit more to say about kind of the sexism in, in the world and how we treat women. You know, I think we're kind of going through a reckoning in America right now over the past couple of years of just, we were saw this like Britney Spears, like how we've kind of treated women in this country, like even in the past 20, 30 years has not been great. And that's the best aspect of the show that um, I really like. So there's an episode in the middle where they force Pamela Anderson to take a deposition. And it's directed by this great director. Her name is Hannah Fidel. Uh, she did this great uh, TV show one or two years ago on Hulu called A Teacher starring Kate Mara about a, a, 
an English young English teacher who has an affair with one of her high school students. Oh, that was a good show. I liked that yeah. show a lot. Yeah. And so she did that show based on uh, an indie documentary that she did. And she directed this episode, which is, I think, just one of my favorite television episodes of the year. And partially because I love her direction in it. Uh, you know, she was just a director for hire. She's not really a part of the show, but I thought she did an incredible job with this episode. But I'm just a huge fan of Lily James's performance as Pamela Anderson. I think, like, as much as I love Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes, I think Lily James, and I, call, I think I called her Lily Collins on Twitter a couple of times. Which I've, I feel call, bad I've gotten, honestly, I've gotten confused too, so it's okay. Um, Lily James, I think before this was most famously in the live action Cinderella. She played the title role. But she is Pamela Anderson. I've told yeah. you this on Twitter where Baby Driver, she's great in Baby Driver. Yeah. And if you look at that, you would never think, ooh, that's the no, perfect Pamela no. Anderson. Oh no. But the combination she came out on stage, she came out on stage during the Oscars and did a presentation. And you're double taking going. You could see it a little bit in the face, but that's how great of an actress actress she is. She plays the role that good. And it's obviously the prosthetics are amazing. I think she excuse me, absolutely looks like Pamela Anderson, but the combination of she nails her voice and mannerisms just perfectly to a T and she actually brings such pathos to the role. Like you really feel for the Pamela Anderson, you know, it's weird to say Pamela Anderson character, but it is kind of a TV show, but so it's this deposition. It's all about, you know, kind of talks about her career and she's being deposed by this lawyer and he's just asking her the most awful questions and just demeaning her and you feel so bad but that's i kind of think like the point of the show is that you know what this toll has taken on pamela anderson um i thought the episode itself was incredible i think lily james just throughout the entire show was incredible and i I like it a little bit more because again i think it has a little bit more to say and also there's a scene in the second episode where tommy lee played by sebastian stan is looking at an animatronic penis voiced by jason (laughs) that what part was ridiculous and again that was a show that uh my wife enjoyed that show too i mean it was a very uh sebastian stan though i mean did a great job but man Really made me, really made me even think. I thought some things of Tommy Lee before, but really, really, you'll think some more things after seeing him. He's really a piece of work. It's it's funny because literally, it's the talking penis scene that my wife was just, I'm out. I'm not watching. Yeah, honestly, honestly, my wife was almost out right there, and I'm like, like she's giving birth, I'm like push through, push, you can do it, and she stuck with it. But uh, it's that part was definitely ridiculous, and I will give kudos to. Even though he's playing the same role he plays in everything he does, Seth Rogen, I thought he did a good job in that. Yeah, Seth Rogen was definitely solid. He's, I mean, it's definitely not a comedic role. No. I don't know if he necessarily. Nick Offerman, probably... Nick Offerman was great too. Yeah, I, I the the move the show I wish had more Nick Offerman. He kind of spent oh, a I lot know. of time and like coked up in the hotel room, but <laughs> that was. But like you said, I remember actually, you know, all of that going down back then. But I don't, I didn't know any of that. You know, I don't even know if I would have looked it up on Wikipedia. I would have been able to feel what that what that show really represented. And it's weird. Like, I like Sebastian Stan. It's oh, yeah. And, like, they, they made him up, like, to perfectly look like Tommy Lee, like, with the tattoos and everything. But it's just Sebastian Stan, because he's, like, a superhero, is just bulkier than Tommy Lee. Like, Tommy Lee is not, like, a scrawny guy, but 
he's definitely a lot thinner and skinnier than Sebastian Stan. <laughs> so, like, that was just, it's also kind of weird just to see him, uh, Sebastian Stan next to Lily James, who again, I literally thought it's like you went back in time and just you got oh, Pamela Anderson to do this it role. Was, it was really, and she did the role, honestly. I didn't, being someone who I saw Pamela Anderson's movie Barbed Wire at the movie theater, um, I, I was not, did not think of that as who Pamela Anderson was behind the scenes, but it was cool to actually see a different portrayal and actually maybe more of an honest, more true portrayal of her. I thought it was really great. Do you want to talk about what I th- it's my favorite TV show of the year so far and a show I know you love, and that's uh, Euphoria. Oh, that's that's a great show. Yeah, we could talk about Euphoria. So the reason I love Euphoria. Um, now, how did it, you get real quick? How did you get started on Euphoria? So it was a kind of a big deal when its first season came out. You know, people were talking about, like, oh, my God, these high school kids are doing these crazy things. And I, I initially didn't care. But then Sam Levinson, um, he had that movie, Malcolm and Marie, come out. Mm -hmm. And um, so I kind of went on a little Sam Levinson kick. And I saw his uh, movie did before that called Assassination Nation, Mm -hmm. which I'm a huge fan of, where it's about these four high school girls. One of them is trans. And um, I can't remember the actress's name off the top of my hand. I'm sorry. But... um, it's like it it's a movie where like one of the girls is having an affair with like joel um who's the guy from community joel McHale. yes uh his character and you know one of the, the 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 girl who's trans has a sexual encounter with one of the popular boys in school but he's too embarrassed to come out and say it so it leads to these turn of events where this entire town essentially tries to kill these four girls and at the end it turns into this like giant murder spree and it's a lot of fun and it's got a lot of Sam Levinson style in it and I was like okay that's cool that's dope I like this movie and you can really see a lot of the elements of Assassination Nation within Euphoria Mm -hmm. and that was kind of my entry point and that's really why I like Euphoria is not so much of the plot and i think you know a lot of people really care about the plot of the show um i think you know i remember articles being written when the season two ended of here's like 10 storylines that sam levinson didn't tie up and i'm just thinking i don't care i don't watch the show to see um you know if rue is really going to get kidnapped you know because there's that line yeah i did not i did not I care because I love Sam Levinson's style. I love the whole, you know, the season. I'm sure you've heard about it on Twitter if you haven't watched the show about Lexi's play, which is so extravagant and is way more money than any high school play would ever be. And the show is not really grounded in reality so much. And it's, it is kind of messed up. And, like, people do some like, kind of messed up things. But I love, like I said, I love the style of the show so much. Um, Zendaya is great in it. And... I watch the show like solely for like it kind of sets a mood and a vibe. And that's why I'm like a really big fan of the show. Cause it's not like anything else that you see on TV. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely not anything you see on TV. Um, I'm always, uh, that's another genre. I always like, I love the American pie movies. I love anything that if you could pull it off really well, like 16 candles, anything that has to do with, with high school or looking back at, into that, that time period or capsule if you could pull it off really well you do a really good job and that's what he does 
and I also believe the performances in the, the show, there isn't an actor or an actress in the show that doesn't nail their part, which I think is important. He didn't, uh, they didn't, they didn't just go and grab anybody. I believe every, every actor on Euphoria does exactly what they are. You know, Zendaya is, is she's, she's amazing. I mean, really good. Jacob Elordi does great. Um, Hunter Schaefer, great. I mean, you go down the list, Angus Cloud, great. But he, Angus Cloud plays Fesco, and he's by far and away my favorite character. Like, I mean, he's the only one in the show, like him and Rue, played by Zendaya, are basically the only characters where, like, I actually care about their plot. Um, you know, um, on Apatow. Oh, come on. You, you, you're going to tell me you don't care about Eric Dane's plot? He's such a nice, he's such a nice father. Who? Eric Dane from uh, Grey's Anatomy. Uh, what's his name's dad? Uh, oh, Cal, Cal. Cal Jacobs. I mean, come on. He's such a good man. So I tell my wife, I go, you know, this. don't you want a man? <laughs> this guy's ridiculous. His part, and I don't know, do you remember him on um, Grey's Anatomy at all or no? Never watched Grey's Anatomy. All right. Again, this is, again, the show that was on in the background, Grey's Anatomy. And this guy, Eric Dane, who plays the father on this show, he had a big role on Grey's Anatomy where the main character on there, his nickname was McDreamy, but when Eric Dane showed up, they called him McSteamy. And all the women oogled over this guy. What's crazy is on this show, it's totally typecast against that. He's the most piece of garbage you've ever seen, and he plays the role. He does a great, great job, I think. Great job. His, I mean, his character is so much fun. Like At one point, he like comes home drunk and then just like, oh. he's on the floor. <laughs> Um, but when they, you talk about honestly, you we talk about earlier about great acting. I think that's great. I think that's great acting because I am I buy what he's selling in those roles. I'm not like, well, he's he's selling me that he's a piece of garbage. Yeah, he he hundred percent knows what show he's in. Oh yeah. Um, and that's Look, that's why like yeah. I don't that's what I mean like I don't really care about the plot so much. Like I don't care. No. Like, there's a lot of scenes of characters, like, oh. drinking heavily and driving. Oh, yeah. And oh, in yeah. every other show, it's like they get into an accident and they die. Oh, yeah. And in this show, it's like, I don't care. It's like, okay, something weird's happened. Something's going to happen. Something's going to go down. Um, uh, his son, Nate, is just going to put a gun on his ex-girlfriend just in the middle of the room, like, wake her up. And it's like, okay, that's what show this is. Well, that's why. that's why I think that's this goes to the flip side like this is a show more based upon yeah the story's important but also like just in those last two episodes you're almost like a what's going to happen next type of feeling when you watch a show and I, that's why i think i enjoy the show a lot it keeps me on the edge of my feet um another show that i really like more for the mood and vibe as opposed to the nest the actual plot is uh have you ever watched uh have you watched severance on apple tv plus uh no i haven't but i have been reading a lot about it a lot of good things i've heard and so, also some 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 more slower things but go on what's your take on this show yeah it's it definitely is a little bit slow and it drags and that's kind of like that's my main criticism of it but it comes from mainly the mind of ben stiller who directs most of the episodes and I just think he's like it's it's great. It's purposely this like sci-fi dystopian view where um, Adam Scott plays this guy who um, he do- he doesn't remember his life when he's at work for eight hours a day, and when he's done for work of the day, he doesn't remember 
like and he's in real life he doesn't remember what he did at work um and it's just really just like i said it's just more of a vibe than anything and uh you know i know it's it's supposed to be this show about like work-life balance and whatnot but ben still i just think directs the crap out of these episodes it's just so creepy the um when they're at work it's like these white sterile walls and um you remember the movie Ex Machina where oh, yeah. there's just like a random dance scene? Oh, yeah. Uh, like Severance, Severance has one of these where like they're throwing a party and like the lights change and it's like this weird mood and vibe that like ends abruptly. I don't want to say what happens, but it has like this dancing that like reminded me of that dancing in Ex Machina, which I'm a big fan of, at least that scene. Um, so it definitely is slow. Like, and I don't know that it necessarily like gets better over time, but. It is a cool vibe show, which if you have time, and I get, I get why you might not, because there's a lot of shows going out. Um, check it out. Ben Stiller, um, my fa- he directed my favorite Jim Carrey movie, The Cable Guy. Um, ben Stiller can direct. I mean, you know, with the right material. I mean, he knows he's obviously acted a lot. So, I mean, again, though, I mean, it's a story. It's a show that you have to be into this kind of show into this kind of material and you know then maybe you'll you'll definitely enjoy it more did than you ever you see um escape from danamora which came out a few years ago amazing show amazing it's show. like one of my, my it's one of my most favorite shows that um, came out show. over the past five years it's and that's a stiller show um if you're not familiar with it sorry it's patricia kept benicio del toro and paul dano paul dano and del toro play these oh. um why convicts that's what's amazing here we are again back to our man paul dano i forgot he was in that he's that's, so good he's amazing he's amazing in that he's amazing in that and patricia arquette plays oh, this uh guard who helps him like it's, you, it's based on a real story and again this, the title of the show is called escape from dana moore dana moore is the name of the prison um, uh, but patricia arquette how is she from what you've seen in this show She's she's so good in in Severance too. Like I told my wife that was Patricia Arquette, um, the same actress from Escape from Danamora, and uh-huh. she's like, I didn't even know that. Oh, that's what um, she, she. uh well, she really, really, really her her transformation in Escape from Danamora. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, I think that show should be called Digging in Danamora because there's <laughs> a lot more <laughs> just shots of them digging throughout oh, prison than them actually escaping, but. <laughs> If it's on it's on Showtime, which I think like people will have a lot of these shows. I think like Hulu and Netflix and even HBO. And I think when you put a show on Showtime, I think sometimes it can get lost. Like I know that was a reason my wife and I didn't watch it till a couple years later. But like I would 100% recommend Escape from Danamora over Severance. Like right now, if you haven't oh, yeah. seen it, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Escape from Danamora. I thought Ben sure. Stiller did an incredible job, and it's funny. Like he he has directed a bunch of movies before. Um, but I don't think like you were talking before with, in a previous podcast, like guys like Adam McKay taking like a serious turn, like oh, yeah. Escape from Danamora is not even close to like what you would expect from a Ben Stiller project. Oh, no. Severance, no, not at all. Not anything you'd expect from like it's not even like a dramedy. It's just like straight up serious thriller. Um, and he directs the hell out of both Escape from Danamora, and I love his his direction in um, in severance he he does the first couple and the last couple and he really sets the tone and and closes it the the show out strong and severance um a show that probably i would say is my favorite release of the year this much and it's a spinoff of a movie um is the peacemaker with john cena i think love the peacemaker 
Um, and to be frankly honest with you, this is why I love it so much. Had zero, I'm talking about zero interest in watching it. Um, I remember I watched, I actually went back and rewatched Suicide Squad 2 a couple times since I've watched The Peacemaker. And I actually love that movie. I think the first time I wasn't in the right headspace when I was watching it. But man, this, this television show, this is a good show. Really good. Yeah, you got John Cena. I mean, you got John Cena, who does a good job behind the screen. He's not just a wrestler. He, he's really he's, he does a good job. Yeah, like it definitely has that James Gunn style and humor to it that he brought to the first two Guardians movie and that he brought to the Suicide Squad. It definitely has his fingerprints all over it, which means that it's both fun and funny. It's got great action sequences. Um, it'll legit make you laugh. It has by far and away the best opening sequence of a TV show in the longest time. That is true. Um, it right. has weird creatures at the end. Oh, great which, creatures. Um, yeah, I could. I don't. I wouldn't. I mean, definitely over a lot of these shows, which are kind of dour and serious based on real life. If you're looking for a good time, definitely catch out the Peacemaker. Or I think it's just called Peacemaker, but still. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it. 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 For a show that you know, maybe you know, that came out in January, and January generally isn't known for like a, the greatest month for things to be released. I think it was actually like a huge surprise. I mean, everybody. It seems to be a big hit along with the Batman and other something that um, DC can lay their hat on. They could say is a success. And I think they're going to do more um, is from what I'm thinking. They should. Uh, I mean, it was good. Some other shows I want to call yeah. out. Um, Righteous Gemstones also came out in July, excuse me, in January and HBO along with Peacemaker and Euphoria. Um, season two came out. I mean, that show is just, it's Danny McBride's show. Great it show. has John Goodman in it about um, mega churches in the South. It's great. Um, this ABC sitcom, uh, Abbott Elementary, which has kind of become a, a hit, is great. You know, my wife used to be a teacher for the longest time, so it definitely hits a little bit home. But Abbott Elementary. It, oh, nice. I'll have to look at this one. It's That's legitimately cool. funny. Um, there's a show, I saw it on Hulu, and I'm not quite sure... Like, what the deal, like, if it's a Hulu show, it looks like I'm looking at the poster that it comes out, like, on Fox or something, but it's called Welcome to Flatch, and it's by Paul Feig, the guy who directed Bridesmaids and brought us Freaks and Geeks. Um, There were seven episodes on Hulu that I just, like, just binged, like, completely. This is the one with the return of Sean William Scott. Yeah, Sean Sean William Scott and... um, is in it and is not even like he plays a, a pastor in it so the exact opposite of stifler um and my girl aya cash from if you ever saw the show um oh my god geez, what's the show she was freaking you're the worst oh okay. okay and um she also showed up in season two of the boys but anyway she she kind of plays sean william scott's will they like ex-wife but will they won't they um but it's a what it is it's like this um, mockumentary type show about these two kids in this small town um, in, in Ohio and it's just documenting their life being like porn in the small town but it's got Paul Feig in it and it's got a sensibility he's he's a master at storytelling it's really funny I would check it out if it's on Hulu or I don't even know if like it eventually will come out on Fox I'm not sure if you if you're able to see it highly recommend and the last show I would recommend is this HBO show called Minx. 
and it stars Jake Johnson from New Girl as um, this porn magazine magnet. And this young woman wants to start this feminist magazine in the 70s and is having trouble selling it. And she meets Jake Johnson's character who sees a way to make this, you know, her articles, but combine it with penises um, for a porn magazine. And there's like three or four episodes now up on HBO. Um, and that's, it's called Minx. Did I say Minx? Yes. Yeah, it's yes. the title of the magazine yeah. as well. Um, it's really good. It's really fun. And uh, Jake Johnson plays like this capitalist um, who's just like trying to make a buck off all these poor magazines. And uh, it's really great and really fun. Um, a, a new... A new show that I started watching, and it's another one that you could watch it on Hulu, but I believe it is uh, is generally on NBC. Um, it's called the the Thing About Pam, and it stars Renee Zellweger, Josh Dumhall, Judy Greer, um, Glenn Fleischer, who is great, uh, a great character actor. He's in it too, and it's a true story about the lady uh, Betsy Furia, who I guess she was convicted and overturned. Um, she uh, murdered her best friend but it's kind of like set up um, kind of like not it's like black humor as opposed to super serious you've seen Kenny Powers haven't you Eastbound and Down of course it's got again do you remember on there do you remember Kenny Powers woman on that show her name was Katie Mixon she's on Four Christmases she played Uh, she plays the woman that um, Zellweger um, offs in the first episode, and it's flashback. She's in. She does a really great job. I like her a lot. She's really funny. But Zellweger herself had to go through a lot of. Um, she tells she wears a lot of cosmetics and a lot of different things. But this is why I like the show the best. The narrator of this whole entire show is narrated by Dateline's own Keith Morrison. So the whole show's great. It's like a Dateline episode. He's narrating the whole thing, but it's a television show. So it's pretty exciting. That's pretty good. Um, this season, this year, also Billions came back. Um, Corey Stoll um, took the place of Damian Lewis, who I believe has taken some time off because of his um, wife's passing. But Corey Stoll, he does a really good job in Billions. So Billions is always a good show to watch. Um through the upcoming episodes, we'll discuss there's a lot of shows coming out within through the next um, couple months. Uh, one show I know that's coming out at the end of April, it's called Under the Banner of Heaven. Have you heard of this show? I have not. Tell me about it. Uh, this show stars Andrew Garfield. It's also going to have um, Daisy Edgar Jones, Sam Worthington, and he plays a detective who investigates the murder um, of brenda white lafferty and her daughter and he pretty much it takes place in salt lake city so it has like the mormon undertone vibes and the trailer if you get a chance check out the trailer it looks really really good and that's going to be on fx but uh, it's got my boy wyatt russell on it too oh that's yes i wanted to bring who who's wyatt russell's father Mr. Kurt Russell, the man, the myth, the legend. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Now we are moving on to kind of a little bit more of a, ooh, so kind of a little bit of a sadder topic. 
Um, unfortunately, this week it was announced that Bruce Willis will be retiring. What was your first thoughts when you heard that this Bruce Willis is retiring? Yeah, he's got. Oh man, we should have looked. Uh, look, I, I, a, a go ahead and tell me what you think. What do you think about his uh, just hearing about him retiring? So whenever I think of Bruce Willis, the first thing I think of is I, I think most people think of is Die Hard, which is mm-hmm. just one of the greatest action movies ever made. I mean, when you think about the 80s, there's a lot of movies like with Stallone and Claude, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Arnold Schwarzenegger where it's like these huge muscle men, these bodybuilders are uh, the stars of it. And here comes along Bruce Willis, this guy who was in this moonlighting show and just destroys the place and I think completely just changes the game of action movies. Um, and... You know, I think towards the end of his career, he maybe be leaned a little bit on that too much. But um, Bruce Willis is just, he's going to go down as, as one of the greats. Um, obviously, he's going to be known as an amazing, as he's obviously going to be known as an amazing action star. Um, but also, you know, he could act a little. Um, you know, and he did uh, 12 Monkeys. Um, the Terry Gilliam movie in the '90s. You know, he was in the he was the star of the Sixth Sense, 1999's M Night Shyamalan. Um, you know, he never he, he never was going to be like this great actor. He was never going to be like if he was ever in the MCU, he would never be in consideration for with Bruce Willis, the greatest actor ever. But I mean, the guy's just a legend in Hollywood. Um, well, unfortunately, you know what? Unfortunately, his diagnosis. Um, it's called aphasia. I don't know how to pronounce it. A P H A S I A. It's pretty much uh, an offshoot of dementia. Um, I guess through the last couple of years, he's been struggling, kind of remembering his lines on movie sets. He's had to wear the little earpiece, and it even came out this week that uh, there were problems on the set of Cop Out. Pretty much one of his last movies that he did for the movie theater, Kevin Smith movie. And Kevin Smith really kind of was not nice to him on the set, supposedly. And this week, Kevin Smith even came out and kind of apologized because what was really going on for this earpiece was because of what was going on in his personal life. He's That's one thing I even talked about earlier with my father-in-law. People don't think about this, but it takes a lot of work to be an actor. You have to remember these lines. And these aren't just like a couple lines. This is a whole 120 pages. You need to remember the lines, when to say them, how to say them. This is not an easy job at all. And, and you know, but like you said, he can do a lot of different things. I mean, he was in Pulp Fiction. I mean, when you could be in Pulp Fiction, which honestly I think was another, at that time when he was in that, it was totally different than anything he had done at that time but the fifth element he's great in the fifth element he's great i always loved it now and i'm not ashamed to admit it uh i'm looking now 1998 i was oh i was 15 16 years old i get taken to go see armageddon with my parents and even i teared up at 16 years old in the movie theater at the end of the movie when they're playing that cheesy aerosmith song i mean Bruce Willis is what you said he was. He was an action. He was an action star. I mean, when you're making, he made five, six diehards, five diehards. I mean, you are 
you don't make those amount of sequels. And I mean, yes, did they all, were they all at the same level as the first one? No. But did you have a good time when you watched them? Yes. Um, a movie that not a lot of people talk about that he was in that I enjoyed was the first half of um, Grindhouse, the Planet Terror, the Robert Rodriguez um, part of that. He was really good in that. But he's just all around um, was a good actor. Unfortunately, like you were saying, his last and by reading this year, the reason for it, his last, you know, five or seven years of movies were more straight to release but you know what who i will give credit to if you look back he did some there's a movie i want you to watch i don't know if you've seen it it was directed by edward norton it came out in 2019 it was called motherless brooklyn i've seen it it's not great no it's not great but what you gotta say is that and glass too he's in that that movie isn't great either um but to be able to when i'm looking here these are the last two movies to really for him to be able to be at the movie theater since the second Sin City in 2014. So two directors still gave him an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? We want you in our movie. I mean, you weren't going to be able to do another Sixth Sense or uh, sequel unless you had him in it. So um, to think that he made it through that and that's, and that's a long movie too. I'm looking at Glass. Glass is a an hour and almost a two hour and two hour and fifteen minute movie. So, but that being said, I I think he will always go down as a really 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 good act. I mean, not a good actor, but a good actor that people really enjoyed when he made movies, especially in the nine eighties nineties television show Moonlighting to go to acting Die Hard, best Christmas movie of all time, right? <laughs> It is. I just think, you know, especially with someone with, you know, to put it nicely, his limited range. Well, yeah. He definitely had really good taste in big budget movies. And he was definitely able either to convince, you know, good directors or if good directors just were able to come to him because he was such a, a draw and was such a name that he was able to be in like these movies that will be remembered long after he's gone you know a movie like uh look at there was just imdb like a movie like looper which i'm a huge fan of um you know definitely you was know, able to, to, it, to compare it, bruce willis bruce willis reminds me a lot of like in in like wrestling terms he's like hulk hogan he doesn't he can't wrestle he can't technically do a whole lot of stuff but people love him and he's a big draw i mean he was during a time period his actually he you know, he there was a time in the 90s where, and it happened a lot back then. It happened to Arnold. It happened to Sly, where you start milking the action thing just a little too much. And you start to hear the kickback from the audience. He came out with the movie. It was called Hudson Hawk. Uh, really kind of, this was the start of, um, the movie had a budget of $65 million and it only took in $97 million. So $65 million budget in 1991 is a lot of money. Um, he, you know, I mean, that's, 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 that's the price of the game is that he, he also had a really good, if you've ever, it's ridiculous, but he also had a pretty good music career. He, uh, he was a pretty good singer. Um, you know, he also, he appeared on a couple TV shows. He was great. He was on friends. He was on three episodes of friends. He did, uh, he hosted a couple Saturday night live episodes. He, you know, I mean, he was, like I said, moonlighting, but, uh, 
overall, I think he'll just be remembered as, you know, a great action star and Die Hard, I think, will be his crowning achievement, I think. My favorite movie of his personally is The Last Boy Scout. I talk about that a lot online. I like that movie a lot. Because what Last Boy Scout is, and it's written by um, Shane, um, Shane Black. Black. Yep. Um, it's kind of like a more hardcore diehard is pretty much what it is. A little bit more vulgar. So being younger. And I think what it was is my dad left me at the video store one day to wait for the movie to come in once it was released new because it was out. I'll always remember that. So, Bruce, we, we will miss you. And um, that is that is that. And we're now we are going to end today's conversation. Yeah, we wanted to end it on a little bit more oh. uplifting notes. We want to mention the Bruce Willis stuff and, and pay our respects to him. But a little up, a little bit more uplifting note is a movie that for me, um, I can remember. Actually, we're we're sitting right now. And we're talking. I remember a lot of Saturdays. Just this movie on in the background. Top Gun, Top Gun, and the new movie Top Gun Maverick. So what what do you think about this 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 movie being released? Are you excited about this sequel? I think it's I, weirdly also a good transition to go from Bruce Willis to Top Gun. That even okay. though Bruce Willis isn't in Top Gun, it definitely is like the type of movie you think Bruce could, Willis would be in. Okay. Um, it's definitely like a Bruce Willis style movie. I mean, Top Gun. Uh, if, I think if you ever think about it too much it's kind of a dumb silly movie that doesn't make any sense there's literally a scene where these guys are playing volleyball shirtless for no reason but the movie just fucking rocks the movie is great like top gun is a classic for a reason um tony scott directed it and it has those great flight scenes you know you really care about tom cruise's character you know you really care about his battle with val kilmer's Iceman. The, the movie is just so iconic and i watched it i think last year again completely holds up it's such a fun movie i have a we have an outdoor um project or over oh, nice. I, have a, I have a projector so i can project outside and i had a bunch oh. of friends over and projected it on the side of my house on like oh. a saturday night have a couple of years awesome. and it's it's just such a fun movie like i don't care any criticisms about it there's really the and if there are criticisms of Top Gun, it's more of like a snooty attitude of just not wanting to have a good time. I mean, the movie, I haven't sat down, honestly, and from beginning to end in quite some time, and I can still tell you this movie back to front. I mean, it's, it's, it's memorying of, for me personally, even as I think I, I'm like, I'm trying to think of, I'm like seven or eight, nine, the first time I'm seeing this movie, just when Goose... Um, Unfortunately, Anthony Edwards, you know, perishes in, in, in Top Gun. It's it stuck with me. And, and it, it, Tom Cruise, we talked about him in a past in a past episode. Tom Cruise nails this role. I mean, I watched this movie when I was a kid and I thought Tom Cruise was awesome. I mean, I think he's awesome in this movie. And I think Val Kilmer's was even a more cooler back then too. I thought Val Kilmer I mean, was a fan. This so Tom Cruise has obviously is like one of the most charismatic actors we've ever had. Like every time he's on screen is just great. But Tom Cruise, especially earlier in his career, always has a dicker side to him. And you know, think of a movie like um what was it? Not Taps. What was the like one of the first one he did when he was in a All the right moves? I can't remember. Taps, it's not... taps all the right moves. I mean Oh, risky business! Oh no, it is it is taps. The one where he's a in an army it, boarding school, yes, right? Yes, that's taps. yes. Okay, it is taps. Yeah, where he's like, he's he 
he's kind of a jerk and he's not like really fully a jerk, but he does have kind of like the little bit of a, a douchey jerk side to him. But he's just, he's just so much fun. You just, you can't watch Top Gun and be like, I love Tom Cruise. He's the best. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, the new trailer for Top Gun 2 got dropped and there's a line in it where Miles Teller tells him, I'm going to avenge you for like what you did to my dad or something. And it, I can't remember the exact line, but it's like, Miles Teller is Goose's son. Yeah, that's, yeah. This, this is like, I'm in, I'm in. The very beginning with John Hamm is uh, telling Tom Cruise's character, I didn't want you here. Nobody wants you here. And I'm like, this is what Top Gun is about. I am in. And that's the thing is, if how, this is if they weren't, I don't know if they were, but if the producers weren't kind of watching um, Creed, I mean, there's a lot of these movies that you can really do a really good spinoff or a sequel with other characters, just like Goose's son. Like, you know, you would never think of that. But when you hear it, you're like, yes, sign me up for this. This is and also, in the first movie. You see a pregnant Meg Ryan. Yeah, that's right. That's with, right. With that's Anthony right. Edwards. That's right. I forgot about that. Meg Ryan's great in that movie, too. Um, the one thing we always joked about, about Top Gun, they never talk about the movie. Who are they fighting? Oh, I, again, it's so ridiculous. I don't know what the ending scene's about. It's, by the way, like, whoever they bomb or attack, like, <laughs> would 100% start World War Three. I know, but, like, it was so, like, but that's what's great about the movie. The movie's so great and such a good time. That's something as silly, or most important, actually, the whole thing. You don't even, you're not even like, uh, you know, like, oh, who are these people? You know what I'm saying? And that's why I think I like, uh, I even like Back to the Future Strickland. He's in it as the, uh, one of the guys at the army base, Tom Skerritt. He does a good job. Kelly McGillis. I mean, she did a good job as, as um, Charlotte Blackwood, Charlie. I mean, she's, the, the movie has lots and lots of good just good parts. I mean, earlier I made a joke to somebody that uh, Tim Robbins even has a very small little part at the very end. I mean, the movie is, the movie's good. Tony Scott was on fire. I think when he made this movie. Yeah. Like I, we don't, all I really want from Top Gun two is I need awesome plane sequences and the technology has advanced so much. You know, there's some really cool shots in the trailer. I need some drama knowing that Miles Teller plays Goose's son. <laughs> I need some drama that uh, um, Tom Cruise is going to have with his superiors. And it looks like he has with like John Hamm's character. I need some, um, Glenn Powell's in the movie. I, I assume oh, yeah. Glenn Powell and like Miles Teller are going to be like uh, goose and Maverick. Um, I don't really care about the plot of Top Gun 2. I hope it's not bogged down by too much plot. Um, you know, we'll see. Sometimes it gets tougher in the, um, you know, Reddit area where, like, things have to make too much sense. But, like, Val Kilmer is apparently, like, he's credited in the IMDb. Um, you got John Hamm's in the movie. Jennifer Connelly's in the movie. This is Jennifer Connelly's going to be playing the new love interest. That's pretty... Jennifer Connelly's awesome. It's got. Do you ever see um, the Good Place? Oh yeah. It's got. Um, oh my god, I just had his name. It's got Jason Mendoza, actor oh, yeah. Manny Jacinto. He sounds like he's going to play like one of the um, Ed, pilots. Harris, Ed Harris. You got Ed yeah. Harris as a, a Maverick supervisor, a really awesome actor. And did you ever see Bad Times at the El Royale? Love that movie. 
the movie's great. Um, Lewis Pullman, Bill Pullman's son, he is in this movie. He was in that movie. He played the bellhop. Oh, he was, he, he was great in that movie. Yeah, he's playing one of the pilot trainees with Glenn Powell. Him and Glenn Powell are the pilot trainees. Did you ever so, see uh, Insecure? Oh, yeah. So oh, Jay Ellis, the first boyfriend of uh, Insecure, is in this movie. Who's? Oh, he's in this? Yeah, he plays one of the fighter pilots. Awesome. I yeah. love, ins- I like love the, it. I love Insecure. Insecure's like, great. This, this movie better have some version of the volleyball scene where it has all these young actors like Manny Jacinto and Glenn Powell and Miles Teller and Jay Ellis just have their shirts off. They're just like doing something and have them greased up and flexing their muscles and just looking sexy. There's only one thing in this movie that there's only one thing I don't know if they could replace. There's only one thing in this movie I don't know if they could replace and that is the amazing music of the first one. That's true. Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone. Now, I'm I'm just hopefully they don't do the cheesy thing where they get someone bad to do like a cover version of the song for the movie, but I I haven't seen anything like that. Um, again, it's I'm thinking because of Tom Cruise and his Mission Impossible's being really successful lately, they put in they put in the work into this movie. I'm hoping and I'm hoping they've had time too. Um, and he's worked with Tom Cruise before on Oblivion, so this isn't like it's their first rodeo together. Yeah, um, I like wasn't super excited per se because this movie's been delayed for so oh, long. Oh, it has been COVID. It has. It's not, this movie obviously like once it comes out, people are going to see it. That's why they're like waiting at a time, um, so like where actually people will be in theaters. Um, so, but like when the first trailer got released and it has the dun, 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 oh yes, oh yeah, and I'm like, okay, it's it's fine. You remember, like I remember in the sh- even some of the shots, the cinematography in the first one when he's like on the motorcycle and he stops and he looks up and he can see the plane taking off. I mean, those are some of the shots in the movie. Yeah, the movie wasn't like this solid uh, script, but the shots of the planes. And all of that, it, it made it, it made the movie. And I think, honestly, I'm hoping that the reason why they held off was for the fact of wanting it to be on the big screen and needing it to be on the big screen versus, you know, watching it at home on, on a streaming service. Yeah, and you, you would hope that all this delay, like, they would be able to tinker with it, make it better. I'm doubtful, but fingers crossed. But like I was saying like before, I was like, the first trailer, it's like, this is fine. But when that second trailer dropped this past week, and you got to see more of the young fighter pilots, um, like I said, you see that Miles Teller yelling that line about his dad. I'm like, I am in. I want this movie. <laughs> I, I just need this movie to just be fun. I need to see the, the second trailer had it. I just need to see fighter planes like going back and forth. I need some made-up dumb drama. I just... I don't know necessarily really what makes Top Gun so good. I think part of it is just Tom Cruise is just so freaking good and charismatic, carry the movie a lot. But like, I'm just hoping that they're able to pull so many of these fun elements from the first movie into this. And it's just a dumb blockbuster. I don't need it to like make any statements oh, no, no. about like the United Current States' place. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, if you think about the first Hopefully, movie, well, it's so nationalistic. Cool the first one. That's what's cool about the first one. <laughs> You're standing up for what you don't even know what you're standing, who they're fighting, what's going against, but all you know is it's cool and that's what you're doing. 
Yeah. Again, they, they 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 fight and they win this battle. Spoiler alert. And you don't know who they're fighting. You don't know why they're fighting. You don't know what happened. They definitely started a third world war. Doesn't matter. Uh, Tom Cruise and, and Val Kilmer's character work together and goes, I respect you. It's like, <laughs> just feed that into my veins. I love and, it. And I mean, they say even for just a, he's in it for a little, just a little, I'm sure it's not a huge role because of he's been sick lately, but Val Kilmer's in the movie. I mean, he's got, a, he's got a little part in the movie. So that's kind of exciting to see what he's going to be up to. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, awesome. Well, when, 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 hopefully movie, when it comes out, we when can the talk movie about comes it. Out, we'll, uh, we'll re go through it again and hopefully it'll live up to our, uh, all what we hope for. Well, yeah, thank you very cool. much for joining us, everybody. We had a good thank show. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Take Peace. care. My man. Bye.